0: Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of a class from our 2022 Elul Learning Series. We're in the in the Machzor. We're on page 81 and we're going to look at the first um in terms of the structure of the Amidah at the Amidah where these P.U. team appear. Uh, this is the first uh, poem. And uh, as you will see, it serves as a kind of an introduction to the presence of other poems that will follow. It's called in Hebrew a reshut, which means permission. And uh, if you look at the bottom of the page, um the paragraph, the, the, this paragraph, uh, the word reshut means permission. And the notion is that very often the editors or the people who put together these prayer books and added in the poems needed to get, so to speak, get, to, to get permission or at least to justify how it is possible for them to include these poems in the, within the Amida itself, right? The Amidah is sacrosanct. That is one of the two basic structures of prayer. The other one being the Shema and its blessings. And these are foundation. These are the two linchpins, the foundation points of, of, of the ritual. So how do you have the chutzpah to introduce a foreign element into these prayers? Especially here. Which is in the be, in the first, the very first blessing, right? And here they're adding in words within the, within the framework. They're not part of the prayer. It's intended. It's not like, for example, what we saw last week with the Ubachain passages. The Ubachain passages actually became a permanent fixture of that prayer of the, of the Kedusha. For the high holiday, for the high holidays, as will something else we're going to see in a moment. Okay, they're there all the time uh, on the holidays, the ones we studied last week. What we're going to see in a moment that we have here actually occur more frequently. Not not this. I'm not talking about this, but what this is going to introduce are elements of the prayer that not only appear on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. The next thing we're going to talk about appears on, in all of the Amidas throughout the 10 days of penitence. Okay. So that's a real big addition. And they're being added to these very seminal blessings. So somebody has to give the justification and sort of, uh, uh get, get, get permission from the ancients to be able to do this. Okay, and that's what this is now going to tell us. Okay, so let's look. The I'm gonna the, it's a very short thing, as you can see. It's only what five lines, but it's amazing how much um information is packed into these five lines, as you see when as we start to unpack it, which is the purpose of our class, of course. Okay, <clears throat> so Misot Chachamim Undevonim. Okay, from the counsel or basic principles established by chachamim u'nivonim by uh wise and knowledgeable people okay u'mi da'at okay and from the teachings of the knowledge of these people who understand eftkhafi u'vtachanunim I will open, the poet is saying, I will open my mouth, uh, with prayer and with supplications, to entreat, to beg from God and to, to plead with God, to, 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 to which is to plead and to beg from God, right, from the king of the king of kings. Now that's a very unusual definition for God. We'll come back to that. And the Adonai Ha'adonim, Adonim, and the Master of Masters, the Supreme Master and the Supreme King. Okay, that's what this is. So, in other words, what he's saying is that I have the 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 tradition. What I'm doing here, he say the poet is saying, I'm I'm actually bringing in now, with the permission of the ed- of the authors poems that were written by very known knowledgeable very knowledgeable people very intelligent people and the permission to do this was granted in antiquity by great very knowledgeable people okay that's what that's what the poem is saying so on the basis of that authority i have permission now To, to introduce into the structure of the prayer, all the poems, all the PU team that will follow. Okay. So that's what this, that's what the poet of this piece is doing. He's speaking for everybody, everything that's going to come afterwards. All right. Again, because he understands that there is controversy about adding in these poems. And indeed there were. And even to this day, there are traditions that for the high holidays i'm not talking reform orthodox traditions that do very little or no put because they feel that it's it's a kind of a compromising of the uniqueness of the high holiday prayers most of our liturgies do have them all right and if you even compare the <clears throat> excuse me the put team within the machsor lev shalem to the ones in in, in the previous uh, iterations uh, of our maxorium for the Conservative movement, there are there are things in here that there are things in there that are not in here. There's some stuff in here that was not in there, because it's fluid. The 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 poems not being part of the fixed prayer, with the exception of the ones that were part of the fixed prayer, like what we read last week. That's fixed prayer, so it's going to be in in our tradition. It's going to be in all of them, but the other poems are not. They're they're intentionally Insertions to highlight certain themes, uh, that the, um, I would say the editors of the prayer books believed to be significant for the, for this liturgy. Okay. So that's what this is. But I want to show you this little poem is a poem. It's not simply a statement. How do we know this? Okay. First of all, listen carefully. Listen to the Hebrew. Misod, chachamim, u'nivonim, u'mi'lemed, mi'daat, mevinim, eftachafim, b'tefilah, v'taknunim, l'chalot u'lchanein, nemelech, ma'che hamlachim, ha'adonai Adonim They all end with im. That's called a rhyme, right? Similarly, the first two lines, and the second two line, the, the first couplet and the second couplet, do what they did, what we saw last week. Where it's as if the second one sort of adds to and picks up on the same theme as the first one. That's part of poetry, going back to the book of Psalms. So me sowed from the insights of the, of the, uh, the wise and the, and, and the, those with understanding and from the teachings of the knowledge of those who have understanding, right? So those are the, that's the repetition in two different ways of the first element. Then, I will open my mouth with prayer and with supplications to supplicate God, right? Who is the King of the King of Kings. And then it's continued and Adonai HaAdonim. So it's a little poem. All right. But within the little poem, in, in addition to what we just talked about, the rhyme and the structure, there are some fascinating ideas that I have to let, I cannot let you go by without calling to your attention. Um the term, Melech Malchei Hamlachim, the king of the king of kings, is found nowhere in the Bible. It's not a biblical source. It's not a biblical concept. Melech Melech Hamlachim is, and we'll see in a moment, Adonai Adonim is, but Melech Malchei Hamlachim is not a biblical term. Okay, so it's a rabbinic term, and it is found from time to time in the Midrash. It is suggested. So what does it mean? The king of the king of kings. Now, Melecham Lachem, we know about. That's more common. The king of kings. Okay? In fact, a certain Jewish preacher around the first century, the common era, associated that with himself. Okay? Well, no, his followers did. Let's put it that way. He didn't. Talk about Jesus. But the Gospels will refer to Jesus as the king of kings. Where in, in, where he when oh. he used the term I don't even know if he exactly used it he was probably talking about his father in other words about God but the disciples afterwards used that term to refer to him
1: uh, anyway, Seleucid, the lucid emperors referred to themselves as king of kings
0: the Persian emperors referred to that's exactly what I was going to say <laughs> who said that Steve yeah yeah I thought so <laughs> Alright, so, so, so what's this? We're one up in them. He's above them. Right? He's their boss. He's the boss of everything. Exactly. It was probably, most, many scholars suggest, remember, the Babylonian tradition developed under the Persian rule. Right? Exactly. So the Babli is that, is it? The- well, it would be, it would be a Bobbly, it would be, it would come out of the Bobbly tradition. Yeah. Exactly. Although, but the word, but the term spread, the term spread because you find it in, in Midrash, that is Eretz Israel. So it became very well. It, 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 it really, it was a, it was a bestseller. <laughs> okay. It was a bestseller. We uh, sing it every, so every, 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 wait, 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 every, 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 Okay, yes, go ahead. We, just in modern times, we sing it every Erev of Shabbos in uh, Shalom Aleichem. Yeah, of course. And you sing it in the Aleinu also, right? Lifne Melech Hamlachim Akadosh Baruchu. Exactly. So, um, it's, uh, it, it, it caught on. There's no question about it. Um, but this Adoneha Adonim is also very interesting. That's only found twice in the whole Bible. That term Adonaiha Adonim, and it's not that common in rabbinic sources either. It's in Deuteronomy chapter 10 verse 17, and it's in uh, Psalm 136. Hodu, you know, some of you, you know, Hodu le'olai k'tov, ki olam chasto. Hodu le'loheha Elohim. Kileolam Hodu adonim, ki And in Deuteronomy also, it has Eloheha Elohim, the God of gods, followed by the Master of masters or Lord of lords. Okay, that same. So those two terms come together. That they are in the in Bib in the in the two biblical sources, they are actually together. So it's not surprising that. But here it's different. What is it here? So our author here chose to use the word melech, okay? Now, we don't know if this was written specifically for the liturgy of the High Holidays, but I have a hint that it was, because when it says melech melech Lachim, why is that so important for the High Holidays? Well,
1: on the High Holidays, putting God on a throne of kingship is a recurring theme, a very right. important recurring theme um, through the whole period. And the other thing that makes it seem like this is probably for the High Holidays to me is that we have several prayers intended for Shaliyah to read <coughs> or say that They're praying on behalf of the whole Cajal, and that's pretty scarce the rest of the year.
0: Right. Yeah, exactly. So it's I happen to be of the opinion that this was written specifically for the high holiday, especially because of all the days of the year. Now, they're a team that were written for other holidays. But in terms of a relatively wide acceptance of their use for the high is on in the high holidays, uh, that this was became very important. And I don't know if the tail wagged the dog here. I don't know if it just over time, over the century, starting. You know, it remember the the paragraphs we did last week could go back to the third century. The these things are probably fifth, sixth, seventh century but it's we don't know if that's when they first entered into the liturgy right the first thing these things don't come in until the middle ages so it's hard to know um it's very possible that once the the uh the the, the creation of piutin uh became more common and its acceptance as part of the liturgy began to grow that this was put in in order to deal with that Generally speaking, we you know, going into the Gaonic period, the Babylonians, even though a lot of Piutim came out of there, the, the Babylonians tended to be less prone to accept them than the Jews of Eretz Israel. And over time, however, I, I think, you know, vo- Vox Populi, right, the voice of the people was heard and the people liked them because they helped express the, uh, the feelings that they, they wanted to feel uh the 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 spiritual notions that they felt were relevant to them on the high holidays so now there's one final point I want to make though um the the uh word sod. now I looked up that word and in in the uh Talmudic lexicon, it has four meanings, okay, and the four meanings are as follows. Uh, a foundation like Yesod, a foundation okay number two council right advice counsel um uh number three that so council meaning with an e okay uh uh s e but it could also mean council with a c i it can mean deliberation okay but there's another meaning that it's also known for, and that is what well, in today's Hebrew, we use the word "soads particularly to refer to what secret secret. A secret secret a secret exactly. So what crossed my mind is, given the fact that these many of these poems in fact bear the influence of the style of prayer of the early mystics who wrote their uh, compilations of their mystical lore uh, around the same time that all of this was happening and whose um, style has had an impact on many, many elements of our daily and, and festival prayer. So I'm wondering if, in fact, this person um, was coming out of that tradition, uh, at least that literary tradition, may not have been fully a mystic, But the notion was because a lot of that term, those terms came from the books that were called sod. They were secret. It was, they were secret books. They were mystical books that people were very uncomfortable sharing because they were afraid that it would, that the simple people who did not have the background to appreciate them properly could have been misled into a God concept. That was not part of our tradition. Because the thing is, these, these ancient, uh, poems, these mystical, not just poems, the, the, the texts that compiled these visions of great Torah sages, and that's the thing, great rabbis like Rabbi Akiva and Rabbi Yishmael, according to the, you've all heard of Rabbi Akiva, I, yeah, Rabbi Ishmael was his colleague. Both giants in the first part of the second century, Common Era. All right. So these these guys go up to heaven, and they have these visions of God and the angels, visions. Okay, and they see God. They see a Metatron, who actually used to be Hanokh. The, the guy who God took up in Genesis, you read the book of Genesis, you read the, uh, the, uh, genealogy of Adam. There is, there's this one of the down, down the way, there's a guy called and that says he didn't die. God took him up to heaven. That's in the Torah. So he became, he morphed in the temp, according to some of these ancient mystical traditions, he became the, uh, the boss angel up there. Okay. The boss angel, Metatron. All right. So the the boss angel takes, say, Rabbi Keevan, Rabbi Shmail around, looks at all kinds of stuff up there. Now, if you are an untutored, um, non-intellectual Jew living in the year 800 and you start reading these things, then it looks like God has a body. I mean, you can you can see God. And all these angels are and this guy Metatron is so powerful. Maybe they're maybe Metatron's a god. Maybe he's a, a semi god. Maybe our monotheism isn't so pure. And so that's why a lot of these books were considered to be so secret. Secret. You have the same notion when you get down to Kabbalah later in the Middle Ages, and you have the same notion when you read Maimonides. His law, his, his philosophy he says, don't read this book unless you have studied, uh, science and physics and philosophy and Talmud and all kinds of, of, of stuff. I see a hand. Denise, do you have a question? Yeah.
1: Is sowed also in the words of the Kedusha
0: that we say every week? Uh, where? I'm trying to think. Which one? The, the Shabbat holiday?
1: Yeah. Yeah, Shabbat.
0: Um, let me think. As in Kasodzia? Yeah. Yes. Good. That is correct. And that, those lines are influenced by these mystical traditions. This whole notion of the angels talking to each other, right? Right? They answered this one back. Okay. Now that you can find to some degree in Ezekiel, but it's also something that is the in the, the one of the major features of these uh ancient mystical uh treatises is that you have the angels are constantly praising God and this they are different choirs of angels that sing back and forth, yes exactly that's a, yeah that's uh right right all that stuff is. Highly, and the same thing with the Kedusha <clears throat> in the Otsair before the Shema. When you say Kadosh, Kadosh, Kadosh earlier in the Shacharit service. There too, the angels are, are involved because, you know, that's what's, when Isaiah said those words, he was looking, he was looking into heaven. That's what he saw. Okay, so yes, but that's a very, thank you for mentioning that. Good point. You get a gold star. Okay, very good. Okay, anyway. So I'm just throwing it out. It may be then that this is a a um an intentional um uh, statement by the author of this, indicating that that uh these poems that are very spiritual um come from a spiritual tradition that has the hexscher of the rabbis because two great rabbis were the guys who really. We're involved with this thing, Rabbi Kiv and Rabbi Ishmael, for example. But I, that's a guess. I'm not going to write a dissertation on it. It's worth, but it, it's, it's just interesting to think about. Anyway, so this is the introduction then. So now that this has been sta- stated, we can immediately, immediately jump into a, an expression of that. All right. So. Turn to page 82 at the top of the page. Right after you say this, what comes next? The pew that took
1: over the entire holiday.
0: <laughs>
1: the what? The pew that took over the entire holiday.
0: But right. I don't know that it's a singular pew. There's four different statements. Whether or not, um, uh, you know, I know they were, there's four, set, well, let's say the, the four statements did. Yes. The four statements did okay. So right there, Zochreinu lechayim, right? Zochreinu lechayim, melachofets b'chayim, or Zochreinu lechayim, whatever your melody is. We all know that one, okay? That is a poem, okay? And you, it's so obvious when you listen to it. You ready? So listen, Zochreinu lechayim. (laughs) <laughs> okay, so the word Chayim appears four times, right? And there's even a structure. The first clause is Zohreinu L'Chayim, is two words. Then it's Melech Hafeits <laughs> B'Chayim, three words. V'chatvenu B'Sefer H'Chayim, three words. L'Mancha <laughs> Elohim Chayim, three words. <laughs> three words. <laughs> three words. <laughs> three words. Got it. So clearly it is a it's a poem. And the you find in here and you will see this in all of them. The theme, the overriding theme is guess what? What's the most commonly repeated word? Time. 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 Life. Exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, and that's going to recur, Surprise. In all four of these passages that are dispersed uh, in an organized fashion through the at the beginning and at the end of the Amidah, not only for Rosh Hashanah, all Amidas on Rosh Hashanah, and all the Amidas on Yom Kippur, but all the Amidas during the ten days. In other words, this is even more ubiquitous. Then the Uvachain passages that we talked about last week. Okay? And they're, they're each one of them. <coughs> they're quasi, some of them are quasi poems. Some of them you can really define as poems. But you'll see there's, there's even a connecting structure among the all four, which is really very interesting. At least it is to me. I don't know if you're interested in it, but I sure am. Okay. Now, but there's something else in each one of these lines is a word that connects them with the context within which they are found. Okay? So now, here's the thing. What word in Zochreinu L'chaim is associated with the first blessing of the Amida? I'll give you a hint. Like. It's the first word. Zochreinu. Zocher. Socher chaste avot, the imahot, if you add in the imahot. First paragraph, right?
1: Yes, yes. Socher
0: chaste avot. He remembers the, uh, uh, commitments of the patriarchs and matriarchs. Okay? And that's, what do we, and that's something we talk about a lot on the high holidays. Remember our ancestors. We are, the, we are the descendants of Abraham and Isaac. Isaac, who allowed himself to be sacrificed on the altar. Abraham, you know, we are their descendants. We have a little yechus, right? It's called z'chut avot. Judge us favorably and compassionately because of the merits of those who came before us. We got brownie points from them. Okay, so lighten our sentence. That's basically the argument. So there it is. Okay, zahreinu, exactly. Now notice here also, you have the verb zahar, zahreinu, and kotveinu, right? Write us for life. and I'm sorry, remember us for life and write us for life. So both of those are, if you will, a permanent recording of our merit. Okay. Right when you read, when God remembers, the whole point is remember and don't forget. And if you should forget, we will remind you. But even better is writing, because where is God going to write it? In the book of life. Right. To be written in the book of life. Okay. Okay. So I mean, those are the two ways that this thing has. And it's very interesting, by the way. It's reminiscent of the two Torahs that we have. What are our two Torahs? Torah, be Oral and written, And, and right? The written Torah and the oral Torah. The written Torah was written down, but the oral Torah was remembered. So in a sense, you can see here, it's a subtle allusion to the two modes of recording that emerge out of the rabbinic tradition. Okay? All right. So that's the first line. Uh, And now remember, though, it was immediately preceded by the Misod Chachamin, by that little poem. And remember, we still haven't finished the first blessing, because what comes right after Zohreinu Lachayim? The blessing comes after this line. So you see the chutzpah, of, of the poetry here. First of all, the, the introduction, the misod, right? The, the reshut, the permission paragraph is stuck in there even before the blessing. And the, the and the Zuhrenu line is stuck in there before the blessing, right? So this is really, you know, playing around with that blessing, isn't it? You know, it makes the addition of the matriarchs like a, little insignificant thing when you compare it to the changes that this is making in terms of the whole focus of, of the, of the blessings or or let's say an, a, a huge addition to the, not a real change, a huge addition to it. So that this is, but this is going to be part of the tradition of the high holiday. Okay. The next one Turn to page M to, to page 82. Okay. I'm sorry. That's 82. Turn to page eighty-three, the and the the Micha Mocha Av Harachamim. Got it? It's at the toward the end of the second blessing. Again, before the final blessing, page eighty-three. You see it? Micha Mocha Av Harachamim Zocher Yitzurah Lecha Hayim V'Rachamim. All right. Got it? That's that's also a mini poem, okay? You have Av Harachamim Yetsurav Barachamim, and you got four words, four words, okay? Now, but here too, but now look, look, what is the of between Katav and Zachar, What is mentioned here? Zoher, remember, right? It doesn't talk about writing here; it just talks about remembering. But there again, lachayim v'rachemim. So there's your lachayim. Got it? Yep. Okay. Now, hint. The keyword here that hooks this into the blessing. The key words are mihamocha.
1: And even mihamocha ad rachamim.
0: Huh? Yeah, mihamochas. Yes. Where is it?
1: It's just in the previous line. Right. Right. Who is Micha
0: Right. Who is like you?
1: Right. And it also ties back to the first one we did because it's got um in this case of uh, Zochheryim, just as the first one started uh Zochhrinul
0: Right. So the first one, remember, what we're going to see now is the first one has both ways of of recording. Yes, the written and the remembered. Now we're just focusing on the remembering. Okay. All right. So now, now go to page 90. What do we find there? The very short one. Uchtov l'chaim tovim, kol bnei britecha. Do you see it? Before the final yeah. blessing, before the final bracha of that blessing. Uchtov l'chaim tovim, right? And and write for life, inscribe for life, good life. Kol bnei britecha. Okay. So there is write. Does it have remember? No. Just write for life. Well, what kind of a life? Good life. Good. We want a good life. Now, tovim is the key word here that hooks it into the context of the blessing. And where do you find that? Oh, because it says kol Huh? No, it's tovim. Like, because tovim is plural, and then
1: kol v'nei is like all the people. It's not just for yourself.
0: But I'm talking the word uh, tov itself. Tov is Tov is in the previous
1: line, Hatov kilachol rachamecha, and it's also in the Hatimah, Hatov shemcha.
0: Right, exactly. So the word good is an integral part of that blessing of the 18th blessing of the 19 blessings. Yes. So context. All right, very good. Now let's look at another large one. Uh it's I'm not I'm not sure if this is a poem or just a a supplication because I, I'm not seeing too much this structure and here maybe you can find it. I I don't see it that much. All right, but now let's read it. All right, page uh ninety one before the end of Oseha Shalom, before the Brach the final the Hatima, the final blessing. All right, so there you have I'm sorry, I I won't uh, expose you to any of my singing again. Okay, so now what is, you can see, the Sefer Chayim begins with Chayim and it sort of ends with Chayim. So there's your chayims But now look what it says. As I said before, this part of a structure, the first blessing referred to both remembering and writing. Yes. And now the last blessing of these, the last four of these insertions into the blessing what does it say? Sefer Chayim, Nizacher, Right? So I'm suggesting then that whoever wrote these four things, or whoever had the creative mind to insert, insert all of them, I think it's clear that the person who wrote them wrote intentionally four separate statements to conform to the themes of the four blessings in which they are found. And that they did so, they also did so by creating a structure of, of, of having, it would be A, B, A, B, A, B. Zachor, Katav, Zachor alone, Katav alone, and then again, Zachor, Katav. So it's a structure. And it covers an amazing array of, of, of concepts that are part of the, the spiritual focus of the days, right? Remembering, clearly we have Zikrono, right? And in fact, the, if the, if the misod focused on kingship, right? Here, obviously remembering is a big one. Because we have in the Musaf, Malchuyot, the kingship verses, Zichronot, the remembrance verses. So this fits in with these major themes. <coughs> Excuse me. Then you have Avharachamim. Right? And you have Melech. There it is. Melech Hafeits Of course. We got a king over there in the first one. So there is the king. But then you have Avharachamim. Right? The compassionate parent. Also a very important theme. That's all, it's all over the place. That's not just on the high holidays. But this notion of reminding God that he is, God is our compassionate parent. And that's, so our, our whole idea is to, it's amazing, there's a lot of chutzpah from the human perspective woven into these prayers. Not only are we, uh, imploring God for, 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 for forgiveness. But we're reminding God. And say, Remember God, you're our parent. Remember God, you're compassionate. Remember God, we have credit. Remember this, remember that. Work on it. You know, we're throwing out these challenges. You said this, you said that. Okay? So we're really, this is a, um, a dialogue in a sense. Between us and God. Now you see why it's called the Amin no Raim. Right, the, awes- the days of awe, the days of awesomeness, the days of awesomeness. Right, No Ra comes from the same root as Yud Resh Aleph, which means to fear, to revere, and to fear. So these notions of awe and reverence, awesomeness, and and and, and fear—I mean—they they run throughout the day. But at the same time, we're standing up to God. And we're not allowing this fear to humble us to the point that we can't, you know, throw it back at God. So it's, it's a dialogue. Some of you know from some of the drashot I've given in the past or some of my interpretations of prayers. I love Rav Levi Yitzchak of Berdichev, the Berdichev Because Rav Levi Yitzchak is the guy who on Yom Kippur would stand up in front of God and says, What? We're the chosen people? Chosen for what? We suffer, okay? And we don't even have a king. These people have a king. These people have a king. We don't have a king, and they're beating up on us all the time. What is this? Did you forget who we were? So he yells at God, then what does he say? It's before Musa. So what do you say before that you start the Amida on Musaf? Yikadah, you know, yikadah, you know, that you sing. Yeah? So he goes right into the Kaddish, praise God, praise God, praise God. So he yells at God. He's got the chutzpah to yell at God because he has such a strong faith in God. Okay. It's like, it's like yelling at a parent. You're not supposed to yell at your parents, but come on. You do when you were a kid because you love them and you know, they love you. And you think they're being unfair. Be, hey mom, dad, be fair. That's not, how many times did your children say to you or did you say to your parents, that's not fair. Right? It's a, it's, it's a trope that kids say to their parents, right? Well, it's the same thing on the high holidays. We're yelling at God and saying, that's not fair. Okay. We are who we are. We got a covenant. So we're playing, we're little Moses, right? Cause you think about it, golden calf, right? How does God respond to, how does Moses respond to God's desire to destroy the people and start over with him? Remember what he says? You can't do it. There's two reasons. One, it'll root you, it'll destroy your PR, right? The Egyptians will say, what kind of a God is this? You took the people out of the desert just to kill them. This is a God. And secondly, maybe even theologically and, and internally more important. You have a covenant with us. You made a covenant with our ancestors. It's an eternal covenant. You can't break it. You want to have a reputation of being a God who breaks his promises? That's what Moses said. So in a sense, we're sort of playing that role. Poo, poo, poo. You know, we're not Moses. But he sets an example. <clears throat> so anyhow... So, getting back to this, the themes here. So, Rachamim, compassionate parent. By the way, what is the what is a poem that we recite at the end of the of a shacharit and later on the day on on Musaf uh, after no at the end of Mincha and yeah on 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 Yom Kippur shacharit and Mincha I think both. What do, uh, uh, Avinu Malkeinu, right? You say at other times during the week here as well.
1: Avinu Malkeinu is at the end of Shafri's and at the end of Neila.
0: Yes. But it, that's right. Thank you. Um, isn't it the end of Mincha? No. No? Okay.
1: I don't, I, don't think so. I could be wrong. Okay. I, that's all right. I can check. Huh? I feel like it
0: Please
1: might be check. less because I, I, Hear it, and I'm not
0: usually in shul for chakra. So. Yeah. Okay. I'm thinking. Basically. No, I know it's chakra I know it's the end of nila But I think it's it's also at uh, is it the end of Minfa?
1: I'm checking Mintha right now.
0: It's also at the end of Minfa. Yes, it is. Okay. Thank you. Wait, hey, I didn't forget. Isn't that good? All right. All right. Anyway, um, yeah. So, so, uh, Avinu Malkenu, It's also a poem. It's, it's a, that's a plea. That is a real all out wow. Um, but notice the order. Some of you who studied prayer with me know what I'm where I'm going with this. If you remember, what's the order? Avinu, Malkanu. Here's the question. Do you ever find a place where it says Malkenu, Avinu? If you can find that place, let me know. I've been looking for it for the last 50 years. Haven't found it. Okay? It's Avinu Why? Any thoughts? Raise describing I our these... Avinu. Wait, our, wait, wait, our wait. Raise hands. Raise hands. Okay, Norm. I, so, I Norm learned Barbara... that we're trying to
1: move God from his king care to his father care. We're so... We want to emphasize that relationship and caringness on his part rather than kingship judgment.
0: Good. Okay, Barbara. Well, I just see it that his being our father, our parent, is more important
1: than being our king. The the, the father is just the
0: major person in, in our life. Yes, good and uh, it's more personal being the father than it is being the king yes yes relationship tamar well i was i was going
1: to say just about the same thing that you're starting in a very personal way and then acknowledging that you are addressing the higher power but it starts within your own close
0: relationship that's what you're calling upon Yes, I mean, God, God says, right? In, in, in Deuteronomy, a couple times. You're my children. So he's Abba. Okay. And that's the point. The parent, it, it, it it's, look, um, um, in, in the Ahavarabah prayer that we say right before the Shema, right? We say, mm-hmm. Avinu, Haav, Ha-Rachamim. Harachamam, Rachem Aleinu, mm-hmm. Right? Our father twice and three times compassion. All right. So God, a parent, is compassionate. And it says, and put in our souls, in our hearts, uh, to be able to, to properly understand and carry out in life, uh, the, the laws of Torah. Help us do your Torah. Because a father does that. Yeah? I mean, a good father, a good parent, will not simply say, well, you can't do it. A good parent will explain and help you understand and help you appreciate why you can or why you should do something. That's what a parent's job is. A king, what does a king do? He issues an edict. That's it. Boom. And if you don't follow it, you're punished. That's the king. Parent is different. So we we acknowledge the fact that God is king, and God has the capacity to, you know, do whatever God wants. But at the same time, we say, first, God, you're the parent. So it's, it's this notion of the primacy. Um, and you know, there are people whose only prayer experience is the high holidays. And this theme of hamelech, right? And this whole notion of the fear and the, the threat of punishment. Who shall live and who shall die? Who in their own time, this, is, Who by fire, who by this, who by earthquake, who by that, right? The great Unatana Right. Okay? It's scary stuff. And so these people who daven only on the high holidays and that they pay attention to the prayers come away with the sense... Jeez, what kind of a God do we have anyway? Right? But they forget that all these other places throughout the liturgy, right? And especially in these little introductory passages here, right? Rachamim pops up all all, all over the place. And we are pleading all the time, reminding God that God is also the Rachaman. But the other thing they don't keep in mind is that all the other days of the year, while we do recognize sinfulness, the theme what's the theme of the holidays right? what's the theme of Shabbat? holidays the <inaudible> rejoice on your holidays, right, and what's the theme of Shabbat? Get a good, shluf, have some good meals, study Torah, have relationship with the mishpucha. It's the best time for husbands and wives you know to have their intimacy. all of these wonderful things are supposed to happen on Shabbos. so the people who come three times a year. Of the wrong theology, and I think it's probably done a lot of damage to their commitment as Jews, unfortunately, because they don't see the whole thing. Okay, yeah. all right, that's my sermon for the night. Uh Anyhow, but uh, but uh, but, it, but it's clear here. That's what's going on. Rachamin, right? Then, but then the last. I forgot to talk to you about one other thing, though. In the last line on page on page ninety, or the last piece on ninety one. What are the connecting um <coughs> here you got two connecting words to the context of the blessing? The blessing of course is sim shalom, right? Mm-hmm. So what are the last two lines, the last two words of that insertion, of that poetic insertion, or that, that uh you know P if you will, with the last two words? Lakhayim Tovim u'le Shalom Right? So at the end of Shalom it's obvious, right? Sim Shalom and ends Oseha Shalom. So that's and that's the blessing, the theme of the blessing. That's easy. But Tovim also is here because it says the Tov chay Israel, it's good in your eyes to bless us. So the wording also, two words here, sort of, to, to bring it to a rousing conclusion, if you will. The crescendo. Two words, two key words from the final blessing. Tov and Shalom. Okay, so th- that's, that's, that's the end of that. And I'm almost done. This is good. Alright, but I have one more point to make. Saha Shalom. Right? Mm-hmm. Normally, what do we say? hamavarech yeah. et Yisrael Who blesses his people Israel with peace? Yes. Okay. Now you should know that if you look at the Nusach Ari, which is the what's called Nusach Sfard, and if you look at the uh, traditions of Eidot Hamizrach. And if you look at the origi- that the Spanish traditions out of Spain, they all have hamavarech Israel Yisrael bashalom on the high holidays. They don't change it. It's basically the Ashkenaz tradition that changes. Mm-hmm. Surprise. Did you know that? Well, now you do. So we Ashkenazim, I don't know if everybody I'm teaching tonight is Ashkenazi. It doesn't matter. I love Sephardim. Some of my best children, in-laws are Sephardim. We eat rice now on Pesach because of our Sephardic children. Yes. Anyway, um, Anyway, the Ashkenazim use it. Nobody has an explanation why. I know where it comes from. Absolutely no question whatsoever. It comes from the Eretz Yisrael version of the Amida. It is said in in that, in the, in the old Eretz Yisrael tradition, they said Oseha Shalom all the time. Okay. It was the Bavli tradition from Iraq, which was Babylonia, right? The, the Yeshivot in Bavil. They are the ones who develop Hamavarechat Israel Bashalom, who blesses his people Israel with peace, which is a beautiful ending. It's very nice. Oseh Hashalom is very cut and dry, right? Mm-hmm. The other one, Hamavarechat Hamoy Israel Bashalom, blesses his people Israel. That's a very we talking about relationship, personal, mm-hmm. parent, but but much more consistent. So all the other traditions say, stick, stay with it on the holidays because that's what we want to, you know, to shoot for. That's the goal in our eyes and in God's eyes. So we Ashkenazim are stuck with Oseh HaShalom. All right. And, and it's interesting because, um, one of the great, uh, German rabbis, uh, who actually published books both with the Sephard, what's called Nusach Svard and Ashkenaz, in his commentary on this, this is, uh, Emden, Yaakov Emden, the great Yaakov Emden, beginning of the, of the 18th century. Moses Mendelssohn studied with him in Germany. Okay. So Yaakov Emden was a genius, a little bit crazy, but he was a genius. Anyhow, he, uh, he, 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 he says, okay, in the, yes, the Ashkenazic tradition has Osash. He says, but the Sephardic tradition gets it right. He says that. He says, it's better. You don't change it. So can you think of a reason why it should flip to Oseh HaShalom? Why the Ashkenazim might want to do that? Think for a moment. What happens to Ha'el HaKadosh at the end of the Kedusha on the high holidays? It becomes (laughs) Ha'elech HaKadosh, the holy king, right? If you read in the weekday Amidah, it has the in the blessing Hashiva Shoftenu Karishanavios. Tzedakah U Mishpat, the king who loves righteousness and judgment. That's how it normally ends. Now, in all the traditions, it ends uh <clears> HaMishpat, <throat> the God of judgment. The word Ahava is removed. So why is it that Melech takes the place of Ale? Why is it that, um, God who loves justice, the love comes out? Because tis the season for judgment. Judgment. And it's a, it's a recognition that judgment is going to happen. Okay. And we got to repent. My theory is, that the ashkenazim changed oseh shalom for the same reason that Mo Yisrael bashalom is very hopeful but maybe we shouldn't be so hopeful because we if it did maybe you know it would it somehow limit our push to really change god's mind i suggest that that's what it was and if you think about it the last time we say that is in the Elah. And according to Ne'ilah, what happens at the end of Ne'ilah? The gates close. The gates close, which means what? The judgment is sealed. The the books are sealed. Now, we have the tradition that, you know, later on, people thought that was too harsh. Right? I see hands going up. Okay. So let's say, uh, first Teibel, you were first, and then Denise. Teibel? Not there. You did it. Okay. Whatever. Okay, Denise. So
1: I just have a question of why is it ha-shalom and not just shalom? Like, what's the hey oh,
0: about? Oh, shalom uh, That's a good question, the peace.
1: Also because at the end when you do the thing going backwards, you know, like during the Aserah I Meshuvah, you add the hey. But, like, why?
0: Yeah, that's... uh shalom bim ro Yeah, bu Yeah, I, it's probably for emphasis... But I, you're right, it's a good, that style. I don't know.
1: It might be a reflection of the other Hatima, Hanberich Bashalom, because the Ba is like Baha. It's not Bishalom, it's Bashalom. And so here they kept Hashalom. Oh, it's pas-shalom. I. I was thinking much more of God as judge, and Hashalom is a different. Quality of peace than what we pray for on the weekday. There's
0: something more majestic about it. Havarechetamo Yisrael bashalom, though, bashalom is with the peace. But it's
1: with the peace, not just
0: with peace. That's it. So that could maybe, it may be that that's the answer. Because the, you know, when, when you have um, a hay, Ha shalom, with a bet that precedes it, the bet picks up the ha sound of the hay. So when it says, Yisrael, ba-shalom, it means with the peace. Mm-hmm. So the, without the bet, it's just carried over. But why the peace? Unless it's, uh, maybe. May, may, I, I just <laughs> talk to Vera. Wait, wait, wait. I'm going to pick up on what Rachel, <laughs> what Rachel suggested. It may be that it is it's referring to the peace, which perhaps could have a messianic thrust to it, which means the exactly. ultimate, the ultimate peace
1: yeah i'm I'm just thinking it's uh yeah it's a different and date than yeah. ordinary day to
0: day peace. Right, exactly. it's more of a specific type, of wait, wait wait, wait, hold on, Barbara, Tybel, are you there I'm, I'm yes,
1: here. yeah, okay. my of course, my connection went down right at the same time, and you may have covered this, but I always thought the tradition was we have until Schmining and Saras that the I gates that. yeah that was oh a, yeah, that, I yeah,
0: yes, yes, that's a tradition because they wanted to give you know more time, more time, right, exactly, but the basic but well, the they're str- heavy gates. They're really yeah. heavy gates, so they take yeah. a really long time to close. There are some, by the way, who say that you can even have down till Hanukkah. Uh, I'm not kidding. I believe you. <laughs> you know, so you really need it. You know, I I'm I'm not going to get into an argument about that one. I don't know which is best, <laughs> but you got to close it. The point is, the ne'ilah, the whole concept of ne'ilah, implies. The locking of the gates, right? Which means court is closed. Remember the concept is in the ancient cities, the court sat at the gate of the city. This is biblical. The gate, the court sat at the gate of the city. And at night, when the, ga- when the gates of the city were closed, the court went home, right? So nice. that's, that's the imagery. So that's what Neil is about. So one could argue if we really have until until Shmini Atzeret, and why should we have Neilah? We can shorten the service a little. I know you got to wait till three stars come out, so you need the extra service to fill the time. Well, the rabbi could give a longer sermon, or the chazan could give the uh. hymn that he always wanted to give before Musaf and last an hour and a half, whatever you want. Okay. <laughs> Mara wait Mara oh, thanks, um, so yeah, I like the point you're saying that Neila
1: means it's done, it's over, the gates are closed, but then what about the
0: concept that the gates are never the gates are always open for whoever wants to um uh you know make chuva that, that there's that's always open yeah. for that possibility well, I mean the point, yeah, I think the, the The whole notion is that ultimately God is compassionate, right? So there's two ways of dealing with that. The one way is to say compassion exists, but there's a limit and, and you cannot simply say that, that consequences shouldn't exist, right? There are, in other words, there are the Rambam, it's really interesting and it's a debate. The debate. The, for example, the Rambam says that of the thirteen attributes of divine compassion, you know the line Adonai Adonai El Rachum Vechanu. Get used to. We're going to say it a lot on Yom Kippur, right? Adonai Adonai El Rachum Vechanu Nerechah Those are the thirteen divine attributes of compassion. All right. All right. The rabbis cut it off at a certain place, and to change the meaning of it. But Rambam looks at in the context where it's found in the book of Exodus in chapter 34. And there it says, that God does not withhold punishment, right? He will punish where he has to. That's what it says. And Rambam says that's there because of idolatry, okay? There's no way that you can do tshuva for idolatry. God's going to punish you because like the book of Deuteronomy Rambam is a um what's the word I can't think of the line. never right he had hatred he hates idolatry okay he's he despises idolatry so that's his interpretation see so he's looking at the full text read the text in in the beginning it's it's verse let 5 and 6 in in chapter 34 of Exodus when we finish, look at it and you'll see what I'm talking about. It's not pure, pure forgiveness. So there are those who would say there's a limit to forgiveness. You, the, the person who's done the wrong, remember, has to do tshuva. If they don't do tshuva, there cannot be forgiveness forthcoming. So it's not, it's not, you know, there's got to be an end. So that perspective then, that's what Neila is supposed to represent. Keep in mind, this you cannot keep that book open; it doesn't stay open all the time. I.e., and it's true: if you don't do tshuva, the scar will still be there, right? And you know, you and I know people who who were hurt by somebody else, and sometimes you don't even know you hurt them. That's the sad part about it. Then they say, no, they keep it inside and it just percolates and percolates and percolates. And it's bad news. So Nailah says, make a, make an end point. So Shminiat is an extension. All right. To Minhad. It's a custom, but the notion, sure. But the whole idea is Rambam. All the authorities say every day you do tshuva. There is in the Amidah, the prayer for tshuva, and you say Tachanun as well. We are asking. We every single day we ask for forgiveness from God, and we're supposed to do tshuva. Rambam says, if you, you never know the day you're going to die, right? Mm-hmm. So you got to, you have to do tshuva all the time, so that by the time, if you should die, you will have cleansed yourself before you die. And of course, that means going to God and asking forgiveness, and going to people whom you may have wronged. It also means that the person who was wrong should come forward and say, "You hurt me if I didn't know that I hurt you, how can I ask for forgiveness so forgiving it's, the whole concept chuba is complex because people are complex right, anyway, so you depend so you you choose for yourself. how do you want to feel forgiven? you want to feel forgiven at the end of Mila I'll be gesund. if you feel you know I did some very bad things that reminded me of it. I'll wait I'll, I'll I'll do it over before before the end of Sukkot, I'll take care of it. I'll be gizud. And if you really find wake up the day after the day after Simchus Torah, they say, Oh my god, I forgot something. You got until Hanukkah. Okay. Take your pick. It's a free country. Okay. Wait, Tamara, did you have a final question? Oh, okay. No. All right. So Don't uh, forget emails you wanted. Email thank you, yes. Please, everybody, send me an email with your email, or just send me an email, jrembaum at tbala.org. I know some of you, I have it, but send them all together. Not You don't have to send them together, but if you'll send them to me like tonight, they'll all be together, and I can make a list and know who is in my class so that I can contact you uh, if I have to. Okay, very good. All right. So next week, <clears throat> excuse me, we shall go ahead and look at the first of a, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> fully developed Piute, Atahu Eloheinu, and if we finish that, we can begin. We can look at um, La Eloreshdim. Okay, these are two of the team that we say all the time, and that's why I have selected them. All right. Very good, it was a pleasure, so next yeah, week, I thought we're not we're, meeting next week. We are meeting. no, we are so we are meeting we are, because I amended that because I realized I can do it from Denver the same way I do it from here. Initially, and it'll be later for you, right now so I start at eight thirty. Denver's one hour difference, yeah, it's all right, so you by you, it'll be seven thirty by me, it'll be eight thirty. No problem. <laughs>
1: Okay. Yes. Lila La Tov.
0: Yes, Bye. Thanks,
1: Thank, Nis- you, Rabbi. Nis- Thank you, Thank
0: you. Thank you, Rabbi. Yeah. Have a good trip. Thank you. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts.